Hey everybody, welcome to episode 39 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today is another retro review, and this time, courtesy of my big mouth, we are talking about (laughs) Mission Impossible 2. If you listen to us on our July preview, we obviously talked about Mission Impossible Fallout, and that spawned a little bit of conversation about the Mission Impossible franchise. I don't really remember how detailed we got into it, but I know Mission Impossible 2 was mentioned, and you quickly said it sucks, and I was like, oh, I don't remember it being that bad. I think it's kind of good. You mentioned you were going to revisit the uh, the, the whole full, franchise. The whole franchise. I did, and I said, "Skip it. Skip two. <laughs> Go one, three, four, five, whatever. However many more, but don't watch two. And you said, "Oh, two's not that bad." That that was my stance. I, I will yes. own that. I will one hundred percent own the fact that I said it was not that bad. So because of that comment, forced us both to watch it. Yes, and uh, here we are. Right, and you know we'll talk about it in the Fallout episode. But I did make it all the way through. The Mission Impossible franchise. You did. It was very impressive. Yeah. And spoiler, that Mission Impossible 2 is the worst movie in the franchise. So far. So far. Yeah. (laughs) So far. But Fallout's been getting a lot of good hype, so I'm really excited for it. I will say that all the other Mission Impossibles kind of blend together. Not in the sense that you can't separate them. Although I do think Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation blur together in my mind. very similar. Even after a rewatch. But generally speaking, like, they're not overly great, and they're not overly bad, with the exception of Mission Impossible 2. Well, 2 definitely stands out. Yes, it absolutely You remember watching 2. Yeah. It it definitely has a very different feel than every other movie. I think it's kind of in a good position to realize that, too. Like, if it was number 1 or number 5, you might kind of not get the sense for it but like you watch number one like oh mission impossible a good franchise even for you know mid 90s this is a good start and then you watch two and you're like whoa and then especially when they brought in jj to kind of reset things on three it's just it makes two stand out like a sore thumb yeah it this and we, we can get into it here but the initial feel right when you start is this is more uh a bond movie yeah uh than mission impossible and even an over-the-top bond movie you know, just straight from the get-go. And that's all John Woo. This whole thing just reeks of John Woo. Yeah, the thing that caught me off guard the most very early on was the music. And I think it's because I always remember the scene where he's doing the rock climbing in the beginning. Right. And he's jumping from rock to rock and he <laughs> spins around and everything. And now I, I always picture Ben Stiller every time he turns around after as, he grabs that one. As well you should. I don't know how many of our listeners are aware of this, but if you grew up at the time that Carson and I did, when the MTV Video Awards and would have been 2000 or something like that, did a skit where Ben Stiller played <laughs> Tom Cruise. His stunt double. His stunt double. It's a hilarious <laughs> skit. Even now when I went back and watched it, it's hilarious. But you have to go watch it because it... It makes this movie actually 10 times better because you think I I genuinely laugh every time because it's the, it's the famous scene where Tom Cruise jumps from one ledge to the other, catches it, and he slips. And then he kind of regains his composure into like a Christ-like pose on the side of a mountain. Right. What caught me off about that was like there's this really weird – I don't know if it's African or yeah. what kind of music, but it's 
it's like the kind of music you your would, grandma and my grandma yeah it's sitting by the fire like it, why why is right. that it's the kind there? of music you think you would hear at like the end credits of an 80s almost like a captain ron kind of music it's so weird and it caught me completely off guard because i always remember that as like this really intense like hype moment where oh you're, you're seeing ethan hunt for the first time right he's got long hair now and he's scaling the side of a mountain and of course tom cruise doing his own stunts and this music was like happy go lucky i was just like ooh, this is no good well i'm glad you brought up tom cruise with, with yeah. ben stiller because uh i had two takeaways of why this movie should have existed and that's one of them yeah what was for that uh that clip and definitely youtube it if you haven't seen it yes because it's it's it, awesome. <laughs> this mission just got a hell of a lot more impossibler. <laughs> it was so stupid. And he wants him to do it during the motorcycle jump. <laughs> right. It's so awesome. It's it's great. So that and I'll get to my number two later. But but that one uh that was my my one takeaway of why this movie should exist. Yeah. So you mentioned that this is directed by John Woo, which I know you and I know who John Woo is, but I'm guessing we have a fair amount of listeners who have no idea who John Woo is. Because this almost single handedly ruined his career well i okay so this i think was on kind of the tail end of his american career <laughs> maybe yes. this is why but john woo was famous for uh i believe it's hong kong action film so he did hard-boiled with chow yun fat and he had really made a name for himself doing those kinds of movies and in america he parlayed that into face off the nick cage john travolta movie Broken Arrow, the John Travolta, Christian Slater movie, and Hard Target, the Van Damme movie. Right. So he's never been one known for plot, right? I mean, he's just kind of a generic action movie guy. And I can kind of see why they gave him director on this, because he was very popular. Yeah. One of the comments I had after watching this was, this movie feels like a relic of 90s action movies, as opposed to the start of something new in the 2000s because it came out in 2000, but it's very, very much a, it could have been, you know, the first mission impossible, right? Like if that didn't exist, this would have been it because it's very, very his style. Yeah. I think they gave it to him coming off of face off face off. Sure. was a pretty, pretty well received movie. Um, it does not hold up that well if you go and watch it again, but at the time that was, Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, but, taking people's faces off. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that goes for a lot of those 90s movies. I mean, Con Air. Bleh. I mean, but at the time, Con Air <laughs> seemed awesome, right? Uh, oh, for, I, for a kid. For a kid, yeah. But not but, for the... But I mean, it, it made a decent amount of money, and I'm sure people thought... I mean, we look back on 90s action movies with a little bit more of a critical eye now than what people <laughs> actually experienced then. So I can get why John Woo got this, but it's very, very much his style especially the action scenes and especially anything with doves flying around. So the cast in this, I, I didn't touch on this yet, but obviously we have Tom Cruise, but Thandie Newton, that was the first time I ever remember seeing her in, yeah, a, in a big movie. Yeah. I didn't remember that she was in the, yeah. the I've seen a lot of her lately in Westworld. Right. And then uh, I'm like, Oh, there she is. For some reason, I don't know why, but it's always ingrained in my head. Every time I see her, I'm always like, yeah, she was in mission impossible too. Cause I think it was the first time I ever saw her. And then you started seeing her in more places. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't remember her at all until revisiting. Okay, DeGray Scott, which he got his one shot right here and blew it because I looked at his filmography and it, I didn't see him in much of anything. Are you ready for my second takeaway? Sure. 
So, and every time I look at his name, I want to say Dungaree Scott. Dungaree. <laughs> but is he, he, he's not Australian, is he? Uh, he may be. I don't know. I think no. I think he's like Scottish or Irish. He was cast. Yeah, I as, know this as Wolverine. Yeah, but because of Mission Impossible Two, he passed. I think he it's had, because it ran over. Right. It's scheduling conflicts with yeah. MI2. So there would have been no Hugh Jackman. No Hugh Jackman and any of the X-Men, and we would have gotten this guy as Wolverine. Yep. And so thank you, John Woo, right. for Mission Impossible. That's my other takeaway, is you gave us Hugh Jackman as Wolverine <laughs> and not him. Yeah. Not, not Dungaree Scott. Dungaree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not good. No, he he's not good. I mean, he's he definitely would never be a hero. So, I mean, you cast him as a villain. So sure. So that that fits, but he's not a good actor. Yeah. And yeah, he pretty much fell off the face of the earth after this. Right. So kudos, kudos to John Woo. There, there's my two. I mean, it's, it's early yet. And I've already given the only two reasons why <laughs> this movie should have been made. Yeah. So the other two guys worth mentioning in the cast were Richard Roxburgh, who he plays a right hand bad guy. And he's so not intimidating. Just a miserable choice. So the the movie I always remember him from is he's the Duke in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> but that's <laughs> yes. that's all I can think of. But he's very not intimidating. No, he's not. So they chose two very poor bad guys. And then Ving Rames is in it, which kind Ving of. Rames is in. Yeah, I mean. He, he, and when you cast Ving Rames, which was an odd choice from the first one of Ving Rames as a computer analyst. Yeah. You know, he, he's the tech guy and the, the hacker. And he it's had like, to replace Emilio. Right, right. But, <laughs> but with Ving Rhames, who's right. a, a large man, you'd think he'd be more on the, the outside, but he's the computer hacker. They had to give him something because none of the Mission Impossible movies ever have like a brute force guy. They're all oh, well, slick yeah. spies. Yeah, in and out without being seen. Yeah. Yep. So you just put being in a helicopter or a van or whatever they hide him in. Like every movie he's in some kind of truck or van or helicopter. Tap, tapping away on the computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it it was pretty standard action movie stuff. The the virus thing, I, I know you can't stand the virus it's plot. It's so dumb. It's overdone. It, we've seen it a million times. It's, you know, the bad guy wants the virus to either spread it or to, in this case, he wanted to make money off of it. But there's this whole back and forth about... You can't just sell the virus. You have to have the antidote, too. And that's how Brendan Gleeson shows up. And I honestly was having a hard time following the plot, not because it's confusing or anything, but because I just don't really care. And Mission Impossible movies need to give you just enough to so you can understand what's going on and just show me some action and some cool spy scenes. So I was following the plot until the break-in. So the, the yeah, break-in... The infamous scene that every Mission Impossible movie has. Yeah, so it's, it's the heist part of it, but they're breaking into to his facility to, to get the the virus that he already has. and Right, they're breaking into Brendan Gleeson's facility to get the virus. So they can sell it to Gleeson no, at the end? No, it's because... I mean, Ethan's trying to destroy it. Right. So and Dungaree is trying he's, to keep he's it from got being the destroyed. cure. DeGray Scott has the cure, but he, it does him no good. He needs the virus. So Ethan goes in to destroy the virus because obviously it needs to be destroyed, regardless of whether people are going to make money off of it or not. But that's when everything goes wrong and there's a big shootout and Thandie Newton injects herself with the virus because then she thinks that she can't be killed because they need her blood. Which that part. Stupid. I just didn't know. He they'd already talked to Gleason 
and they're already negotiating for this, for the cure, which he has. And they're trying to steal the virus from him, who he's about to sell this to. I don't think Gleason has the cure. He Gleason doesn't have the cure, but DeGray has De Grey it. has it. Yeah. And so, but you're already in negotiations with this guy to sell him the cure. He already has the virus. Why would he be trying to break in to steal the virus just so he can sell it back to him? Right. Uh, and so that's that's where it's like I don't get it. So, yeah. but anyway, that's a way for Ethan Hunt to drop in from the ceiling. Right. Again, my my whole problem with that scene was they obviously do the setup scene where Tom Cruise needs to explain how it's really impossible to break into this building, but they're going to do it anyway. The most sophisticated security yeah, system which, on the planet. Can we give Ethan something else to do besides break into, at least in one of them, I think Ghost Protocol, or maybe it was Rogue Nation, it's not a really high, tall skyscraper anymore. <laughs> it's finally something else. But it's always something for him to to drop into. But the funniest thing about that scene is... They juxtapose Ethan and his team talking about all the impossible ways of getting into this building with DeGray Scott saying, here's how Ethan Hunt's going to do it. Because he knows him so well. Yes, because he used to be an IMF agent. They they tell you early on that DeGray used a mask to double as Tom Cruise on several missions while Tom was unreachable on vacation, essentially. Right. So they're IMF agents. They know each other. But my my thing was... If you know exactly how he's going to do this, why aren't you taking precautions now? Call Gleason. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> they wait till the day that they know Ethan's going to do this, the and they just that he does. Yeah, it. they just walk in through the front door and kill the security guards, and then meet up with him there. It's like why? Why wouldn't you tell people like stack ten people in the room and watch the vent? Like never take your eye off the vent. And then you have stupid again movie logic. You have. Tom Cruise destroying the virus. He destroys the first two vials and then all of a sudden has some flashback <laughs> yeah. from a scientist. He, he wasn't there, yeah. but he's flashing to what the scientist did, injecting himself. And so that distracts him long enough to, right. not, to not destroy the virus. And they like, shoot out the glass from underneath him. Yes, yes. So, shoot so dumb. the glass. <laughs> he just stops and ponders for a moment. Terrible. It takes, honestly, a long time to get to from action scene to action scene in this movie there's long stretches where you're not getting any kind of action whatsoever well, well let's stay there while we're there okay so well, in the in the break-in yeah okay the, so so he gets so ethan has the virus gun yeah and um and newton decides to inject herself mm-hmm. to again like you mentioned to say oh i'm unkillable if if this is in my bloodstream, they need me alive, which didn't make much sense. All they needed was her blood. Right. And so, but that's why she does it. And then we have, it's a word for word, shot for shot copy of Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> he says, you stay alive. I will find you. You know, whatever you do, you stay alive. And then he runs and jumps out of the building versus running and jumping into the waterfall. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is screenshot for screenshot of Last of the Mohicans. I, I'm like, really? Did you just say that? Like, how have I never picked this up before? But the entire conversation there, just stay alive. I will find you. And Did you look up and see if it's on YouTube to see if anybody, like, spliced it together? <laughs> no, I didn't. I should. I should see that. I don't I'd think love people— to see that. People— uh, care about mission impossible 2 enough to, to, to you'd do be that. surprised and what's on true. youtube there, there's a lot of a lot of extra time on people's hands but watching that i was like that is exactly and then it even shows him running and jumping the same way that daniel day lewis does out the window yeah 
But then, then there comes the, of course, the, oh, I can't get us both out of here. Right. Why not? You can't hold on to her while <laughs> right. you parachute out? Yeah. Is that so impossible? That's too impossible. That's too impossible <laughs> yeah. for Ethan Hunt to glide out of here with her? Right. I, I didn't understand that. Now, if he had some way where he, you know, can only, I, I, I don't know how he only could get himself. I don't know how they do that other than him just jumping out. Yeah. Which, again, I don't get. Right. Unless, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. Unless he felt like if he took her, she wouldn't be near the antidote. So she had no chance. But I mean, as soon as they extracted her blood from her, they would, and verify it, they could kill her. Well, he said, you know, you can't get me out of here, can you? Which is why she took yeah. the next the next step. And it's like, well, why can't you get her right. out of here? I only plan to get me out of here. Like that's, it, that frustrates me. Yeah. I mean, but again, you don't watch Mission Impossible movies for, I guess, a really smart plot, but you also don't want something that's so ridiculously dumb that it's distracting. Yeah. And so they capture her and then they just let her go. Well, because she's infected with the virus. He wants to spread, he wants her to infect other people so that it will drive up the cost of the antidote. Right. But just drops her in Sydney and says, yeah. okay, good luck. And then leaves right. her. And then somehow they track her down, which I don't because remember. Because she had the tracking device in her ankle. Oh, okay. From the beginning. That's untra- untraceable. Sure. Even by another IMF team. That, that knows the technology. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly the most... That, well, bo- that can only be tracked by this one computer as well. Yeah. I, mean, I do remember them saying like, that. Why? Yeah. That seems like a <laughs> poor decision. It, it's honestly a really boring movie for being Mission Impossible. And in fact, like I felt besides the first five or 10 minutes where, you know, they, they do the obligatory, let's take off a mask and let's play the mission impossible theme. Like besides that, and the should you choose to accept this stuff, you have no idea that this is a mission impossible movie. I bet if you started this movie at like the 10 minute mark or 15 minute mark for somebody who's never seen it, they might not know it's a mission impossible movie. I mean, you know, if they weren't familiar with Ethan Hunt and stuff like that, it just doesn't even feel like a Mission Impossible movie. There's so much setup. There's so much talking. So many scenes of, like you said, it feels more like a James Bond movie where you're going around doing a lot of talk. Because James Bond movies don't have a ton of action. No. Um, more so now. Yeah. But even the, the mission that he got put on, that mission, should you choose to accept it, was a pretty lame mission. He's just recruiting her. Yeah. Like, that's what you send... You track Ethan Hunt down to just recruit her? Yeah. Well, you, you got to have somebody like Tom Cruise to track down somebody like Andy <laughs> Newton. The chemistry is off the charts, obviously, because they play a game of like cat and mouse, you know, with cars on the side of a cliff for so, no real reason at all. Because that's flirty. Right. Yeah. yeah it's flirty. <laughs> that's just... how spies and thieves flirt. Yes. I'm gonna they drive. ram each other on, in cars <laughs> on the side of cliffs and then yeah. catch each other as they're falling out of the car. Just awful. <laughs> there's there's so much bad about this movie. There was a lot of the dialogue is miserable. The one that jumped out to me was so bad. There's a scene where Ethan Hunt comes up behind Thandy. I forget if it's in the train station or if it's at the is at the race or not train station racetrack racetrack. Yes. Yeah, and he comes up behind her and he says, "Don't turn around." And she turns around. And he goes, "You turned around." And she goes, "What are you going to do? Spank me?" I was like, "What?" Who writes this? <laughs> this is that's terrible. I mean, there it wasn't cool. It wasn't fun. It was just super cheesy, and it, of course, it fits with the movie. But it's crap like that where you're just like, okay, well, how did we? How did this get in? 
That made me think of this, though. Did you read that this was supposed to be like his original cut of this was approaching three hours? <laughs> Who wants to watch a Mission Impossible movie for three hours? No, I and don't. maybe that explains some of the weirdness in this. That when you take a three-hour movie and try to chop it down to two hours, you're going to leave some stuff on the floor. But no, I can't no. imagine what else you would need to add to this movie. If anything, it, it explains things too much. Yeah, you needed to cut more of it to make it more sense. Make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'll go back. We're all over the place this episode, but that's what <laughs> happens, I think, on a movie like this. So after the or before the break in on Gleason's place, when he's coming out of his office and they they get it, they he gets into his limo and you know something's up because there's you know he's not talking to his driver. It's not his normal driver, and he picks up a newspaper and he reads the front of it and it says you know pharmaceutical tech dies in freak accident or something like that and it's his picture and it's the date for tomorrow like why does that make it in does the imf team spend their time creating fake newspapers to telegraph that you're going to kill somebody that's what ving rhymes does that that's his part yeah he's he's sitting in the van he's got to have something else to do god so they do that they gas him in there then that's when they take him to the hospital and make him think he's been infected with the virus and tom cruise wears a mask and tricks him into making him think the Russian scientist is alive and then he wakes up in his bed like the next day and he he, he doesn't know if it all really happened and I was just laughing because I called it that the, the ghost of Christmas future, future him. Yeah. yeah it's so so stupid what was even worse than that and I'm going even further towards the front of the movie is the scientist that you just mentioned that thinks Tom Cruise's name is Dimitri yeah and Truly, every sentence says Dimitri. Yeah, and it's, he does. It, you, you say it like 30, 35 times. Like, right. quit saying Dimitri. We get that you don't know Tom Cruise's real name. His right. name is Ethan, but you think this is Dimitri. And yeah, like, quit saying Dimitri. And the way Tom Cruise acts in that opening scene, it's they're laying it on thick that it's not Tom Cruise. He's got this Evil stupid Tom, yeah. look on his face the whole time. He's kind of squinty, and he's always doing these stupid smirks. And well, Dungaree mentioned that later. Of that ridiculous grin you always oh, have. Yeah. It's hard to do because he's always <laughs> has that ridiculous grin. <laughs> I almost think they overthought this movie too much, is what it seems like. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now we're back to the end of the movie. He jumps out of the out of the building and he's going to find the the cure. Right? He's trying to find the bad guys that where the where they're selling the product to. Yeah. And this is where everything just goes even so far off the rails it's so bad so bad so it, it is bad but i will say the one thing i will say about this is that it's good in the sense that i felt like as ridiculous as the action was at the end at least it was some action like you we were watching this movie for the whole time and was it yes was i mean it, it, it may be stupidly choreographed but at least there's something going on instead of just tracking people on computers and taking masks off we're finally getting some hand-to-hand action and some fights so i will say it's like it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> it's really bad but at least it was action so it opens with an exterior guard where ethan has to take out the exterior guard he runs up to him basically pushes him over and then does a a flip where his leg just lands on the guy's chest crushes the sternum and and the guy's unconscious Mm -hmm. knock the wind out of him crushes sternum. even if that did happen he wouldn't be unconscious yeah i mean so much pain (laughs) from having you have you had your sternum crushed before i I haven't but i but i'm sure you might might reel a little bit before you just bam unconscious you have not been sternum kicked by ethan hunt (laughs) which is the theme for his entire incursion in here of 
the way that he knocks out these people, it it's not realistic at all. No. And one guy, he's holding by the collar and punching, but then talking to Ving Rhames in between each punch, and the guy's just standing there. Uh, like it's truly full sentences, and then he punches the guy. Full sentences back to Ving Rhames, then punches him, and, and it takes like like four times. And then the the guy just falls down. It's like what? Like who is this guy that yeah. got this job? That <laughs> just stands there and just gets punched in the face. Yeah, and he's a henchman. They're not good. And you have the running full speed, and then the backwards stopping in midair. Yeah, and backwards flip and kicking the guy in the face. Yeah, that's so like how, that's a lot of momentum being transferred. That is, however, I don't believe you can physically do that. Change directions. I don't know. Well, we've I've seen <laughs> some pretty crazy stuff on Instagram of people that can do some really crazy stuff. Well, that guy must have fallen down unconscious out of shock and disbelief <laughs> of, of that move. But just that whole that whole scene is like these are not. You cannot disable the guards this way. I mean, you, who cares though? I mean, the, it's, it, it it's is like, why is that guy out? Like, like that doesn't make any sense. You yeah, get punched in the chest, mind you, wearing body armor. Right. And is unconscious. Yeah. I mean, maybe he hits 1,850 pounds. <laughs> I mean, knock a guy out. It doesn't knock you out. It's, it's Mission Impossible 90s it's, action. It's so bad that it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like I said, I, I was happy to have some action. It is not, not choreographed very well, but it does look cool. So they gave Tom at least some cool moves to do. They they are not practical, and none of them are. I mean, from the start to the end, not practical, but they look cool. And so they get us to the part where you love this movie logic is we've seen in previous Mission Impossible movie that when them making the mask, it's a computer that maps the face and then makes the map, prints out the mask, and, and you can wear it. Well, apparently... Ethan Hunt just carries around random yeah. masks of bad guys just in case he might need it. Right. Yeah, they had he had to have had that up his sleeve the whole time. I mean, it, figuratively and literally, right? Like, he had to know that he was going to use the right-hand man and fake him out with a mask, but he had to carry the mask around with him and get it on him perfectly. And, and break his jaw so he can't talk. Right. And Everything then, went according to plan. Just how Ethan drew it up. Just, I was like, wait, how does he have not only a mask of himself, yeah. but also a mask of this other guy? Yeah, and that's sort of the problem with the Mission Impossible franchise is once you've played the mask card, there's no going back. I mean, you have to kind of watch every scene knowing that it's possible that this is not who we think it is. Yeah. But thankfully they don't having watched the whole franchise, they don't abuse it too much. But this movie had a lot of masks, I felt like. Yeah, and I'm okay with if that's part of the mission. You yeah. know, and that you prepared, you've made this mask and and even even the beginning when when he's the mask of Ethan, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. The this <laughs> Right. The mask on the fly is not not good. <laughs> I'm gonna scan your face real quick in this three D printer <laughs> that I have in my backpack and make a mask. Yeah, I mean maybe it was his plan the whole time. Maybe he didn't have to necessarily I mean, the only way it wouldn't work is if the right hand man is still in the room. When he like if he got anybody else, like a henchman, and put the mask on and then sent him in and the right hand man guy is still <laughs> in there, then you've got a problem. But you had to effectively he would have known DeGray would have sent the right hand man out to get him. Yeah, well he knows him so well too. Yes. So they just know each each other yep yeah it's amazing that the fight at the end wasn't just you know the same punches and the block. same kicks yeah <laughs> and so which which gets into some uh eventually ethan gets the antidote and then there the chase begins on a motorcycle yeah which the the way he got the motorcycle again just 
flabbergast me. So the guy, I guess the guys are trying to run him over with the motorcycle mm-hmm. because none of the henchmen have guns with the motorcycles. And it's just like, they're just trying to run him over with it. Yeah. Is it, on, is, is it on that bridge? I don't remember where. I can't remember where it's at. I know but, there's a bridge at some point. They like but, jump over him. Yeah. It's like, like what is your plan here? <laughs> if I can just hit him with it, then, then it's all going to be over. They're just supposed to keep tabs on him, corral him. <laughs> like in the old Wild West where they circle him, just keep circle circling. the bad guy. Yep. And so, and so, of course, he takes out the guy who doesn't have a weapon and motorcycle. And so now Ethan has a motorcycle. And then here comes the the chase scene. Yep. I mean, so you have you have an okay chase scene, I guess. It's fine. Just blah. And I, I like the part where on the chase scene. Well, the funny thing is, like, if you look at the the tires on the motorcycles change like every other scene edited together. <laughs> if he's on the street, it's street tires. And if he's in the grass, it's like these big knobby dirt bike tires, which is not a big deal. It's just funny. I like the one move where he hits the brakes really hard as he's cutting across a road. And so the back tire comes up right? and then he spins around. And as he's spinning, he's shooting the car and it flips over and explodes, which is completely ridiculous. And if you even watch like, cause of course there's slow-mo, right? We, we didn't talk about this, but <laughs> Like, it, it doesn't sound like a lot if I say that 10% of the movie is slow-mo, but when every other movie in the history of the world stays below, like, 0.5%, 10% of a movie being slow-mo is egregious. But there's slow-mo everywhere in this movie. But this is one where it's slow-mo, and he's shooting the car as it's going, but the shots don't even remotely line up with what's happening on the screen. Like, the Tom Cruise is aiming, like, 45 degrees off from where the car is actually rolling in the shot, which... Well, he, laugh. he was curving the bullets. Of course. I mean, why not? You can do everything else. Yeah. And uh, I did look up. So it was a two hour and three minute runtime. Okay. And if you sped up all the, the slow-mos, it's actually 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it's unbelievably like there's a part where it, it doesn't need to be slow-mo. It's Tom Cruise and Thandie Newton. They're cutting back and forth between the two of them. Like, I don't remember if they're looking at each other in a room or something, but there's like it's slow mo him looking at her and slow mo her looking at him. I'm like what? And zooming in. Yeah, the zoom ins were real bad too. I I took a video of one of them, put it on Twitter because it's when she trips the alarm when she's trying to steal the necklace. Right. It zooms in on her and then cuts to Tom Cruise and zooms in on him. Like God, settle down. <laughs> but that's another scene too where when she pulls away from that house at the very end, she like speeds off in a car, you know, peels out and drives away. It's slow mo. Like it shows him like slow mo through the fog. What is your obsession with slow motion? It's I can kind of get it on action scenes where you want to slow it down, but he will do it on just like a regular. I'm walking across the street. Let's do it in slow mo. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you get uh, you get to the point where not only Ethan has a motorcycle, but so does Dung Ray. Yeah. And then it comes to the jousting. Yep. The jousting scene where they're both revving their motorcycles, <laughs> facing one another, drive at one another. Somehow the both motorcycles take air. Uh, do the motorcycles take air? I thought they they pop wheelies, right? I'm pretty sure they pop wheelies. I thought the motorcycles took air also. And then both of them leap from the motorcycles into the air and meet about 15 feet above the motorcycles that collide and explode. They don't just, of course course they explode. And 
they collide in the air and then fall to the ground fighting. Yeah. They somehow, even though they're driving at each other, when they collide, they like fall to the right or something. Because then they fall down off the ledge, down onto the sand. Into the sand. But yeah. It, it was a, <laughs> it was, I don't think you could jump off the motorcycle the way they did. Definitely not with that height. Right. Because it's just physically impossible. There's nothing to leap from in the stance that they're both in. And then they collide. Like, they both had this idea of, this is what I'm going to do. And they both leap from the motorcycle. Right, because we've established. they know Nobody yeah, they, knows them. They know each other so well, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is absurd. There's no way that that should ever be put into a movie. It's so ridiculous. I don't know how it was accepted even back then. Yeah. And then you have a nice little beach fight where... Yeah, the beach fight's not terrible. Except, you know, throwing the gun away so I can fight you. Well, yeah, fight that, you hand again, hand. standard 90s stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and even even then, like, the use of slow-mo, the, the way he, the way Ethan Hunt kills the Dick Gray Scott at the end is he's, well, he another stupid movie cliche, right? Like, he beats the crap out of him and he hits his head on a rock and instead of he's just... He's dead. Yeah, instead he's of going over right and, like, double-tapping him with a gun, you just, you know, walk away. So, of course, he, he walks away and he leaves the gun right by him to Gray, picks up the gun and points at Ethan's back, and Ethan just happens to be standing right next to a gun that's buried in the sand, right? And he does a pretty cool move, actually, right? Like, he kicks the gun up to himself and the sand flies up and the gun's up in the air and he turns around and catches it and shoots, right? Pretty cool. But you have to see it in slow motion. Like, that move is 100 times cooler if you just watch it fast. You'd be like, oh, wow, I want to rewind that and see how he did that. But no, you gave it to me in super slow-mo, and now I don't care. So he already is pointing the gun at Ethan. Yeah, he could have just shot him. And for an IMF super agent. Right. That takes so much time. It's like, oh, I wonder what Ethan's doing Ethan's here. He's too fast for He's, he's going to kick the gun The other guy out. was groggy. He just got <laughs> his head hit on a rock. He's a little woozy. And then he jumps, grabs the gun, full spin, yeah. and then shoots He him. spins while the gun's in the air, I think. Yeah. Well. It's all one move. It's so it, fast. It's, like, bang, it, bang. It, it, and, and maybe because the slow motion really affects my time on yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, it looked fast in slow motion. So imagine how fast it was in, <laughs> in real he, speed before he could pull a trigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That that ending again, double edged sword. You finally get some action, but be careful what you wish for because it's really over the top action. So we actually took a quick break and went and watched the YouTube motorcycle collision. And it's, it's way worse. Uh, than what was even in my head having just watched it a week ago. So where we got tripped up is the motorcycles do go in the air. Yes. But it's not until after they've jumped off of them. So, so somehow they jump at each other up in the air, hit, collide. You actually see the motorcycles pass, pass each other pass on the ground. Other. And then it cuts back to the motorcycles in the air. Colliding. Colliding and exploding <laughs> in flames. It's it's so miserable, but best, so good at the same time. Best editing. I almost think that... This movie had real, so bad it's good potential if it wasn't so slow or boring throughout, you know, most of it. If they trimmed it to like an hour 40, maybe like hour 35, and got rid of some of the nonsense plot that you don't really care about and just replace it with some more awesome action scenes like the end. Maybe that's the other hour that John Woo got cut. I I didn't think about that until right now, but genuinely, I think you had almost a chance. Because, I mean... I know what you and I both think of this movie. We've kind of made it clear. We we don't really like it. No. But it's dangerously close to being so bad that it's good because you and I just watched that last scene and we're here <laughs> laughing. So if it had done like three more scenes of that and gotten rid of some of the plot, I mean, you, you almost have an awesomely bad Mission Impossible movie. 
I agree. No, I I, I completely agree. I kind of want that movie now. <laughs> I kind of want a, a, maybe that's like Face Off or something. I just need to go watch one of those. But now that I think about some of the other John Woo movies, they're all they are all kind of. I remember being bummed at Hard Target when I was a kid. I was like, not enough action. So maybe that's his thing. Maybe Face Off doesn't have a lot of action either. Uh, it really doesn't. Bro- I know the, Broken the, Arrow doesn't. I saw the, that not too long ago. The end boat scene. Yeah, is kind of the big where the stunt double. <laughs> yeah, where they're clearly not <laughs> Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Nicholas Cage does not have long hair. No. Yet well, the stunt double does. It depends on if you've seen The Death of Superman Lives. Well, not in face. Castor Troy <laughs> right. did not have long hair. That's true. All right. So we're at the end of this. I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. I think we made both of our opinions pretty clear. What'd you rate it? Gave it a two. Same here. Uh, did you <laughs> Did you have a favorite moment? Uh, well, it's got to be the motorcycle crash scene now. Yeah. Um, I mean that then that's that's what you take away from this movie. Right. Is that scene. Yeah, that whole in chase scene probably should be my favorite. At the time I was trying to think of like an actual favorite, like, like something a, a I, good yeah, a good takeaway. I, I did pick a stunt in the in chase scene though. It was the one I mentioned earlier where he hits the brake and goes up on the front tire. So I was like, Oh, that's actually a pretty cool stunt. But yeah, I mean the whole end scene is crazy. Right. You got one thing you'd change? <laughs> the plot. Yeah. I mean it's, I kind of did the same thing as you. I said the director, which if you're going to do that, you might as well just change everything. Just scrap it. Yeah. I don't think we really need to run through theater or couch or pay for it or wait for free. Um, We clearly have both said (laughs) what this movie should be. I mean, it should have gone like full-blown. Razzie. Yeah, Razzie popcorn. It should have just embraced it. In hindsight, it's really close to, to being that. What would you compare it to? So if you, you know, our typical question, if you liked Blank, you would like this movie. Yeah, I didn't have a great one for this, and I was trying to, to stay away. The, the best thing that I had was G.I. Joe, only because it takes it to a stupid level. Yeah. They have all of a sudden super suits running through the city, and it just felt that same way. Man, but, I, I don't even know G.I. Joe. I've seen it, but I don't know it enough to even recall it. With Marlon Wayans and C. Tate's running through the Paris, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's just so... Did like, they make they made two of those, right? Yeah. The, the Rock was in the second the one. The second one, retaliation, yeah. Wow, like those really must have tanked bad cuz I mean when we're getting six Transformers movies and we couldn't even get beyond two GI Joes. GI Joe needs to be rebooted for certain. Well, and it seems so easy. Yeah. Like, that can't be that hard. Just a bunch of military guys with themes. Right. Each guy has a little theme. That's all you yeah. need. You the only thing you I remember robot suits <laughs> that make them run faster. That is that's so stupid. The only thing I remember is uh the trailer had a remix of Seven Nation Army. Yeah, it did. That's the one thing I remember about mm-hmm. that. The movie I picked was Broken Arrow. I, I had to pick a John Woo movie. His style is so distinct. Broken Arrow, you could have picked Face Off, but I hadn't seen it in a while. I have seen Broken Arrow. It's It's got action scenes that aren't really believable. It's got a plot that's hacky and stupid and trying to recover a nuclear bomb, which has you know, been done a million times before, just like a virus. The reason I didn't go that route was face-off kind of has an original plot if you can yeah i mean you switch faces and sure you're each other and the actors switch and okay that's cool and then you do have i mean yes you can see his fingerprints all over the movie but that you know little tip of the hat for that plot yeah you know and then broken arrow is not even watchable i mean, <laughs> I mean like, yeah. like there's not even a it's just it's just dumb it's just yeah. a, dumb, a dumb movie it's probably around the same rating as this though 
same rating, but for different reasons. Yeah, uh, that's it, fair. It's it's just it's just a dumb movie. It's and probably even lower actually. No, nah, that's I mean, not ha- below. Howie Long may bring it to a two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what somebody should do, or they shouldn't do this now. What John Woo should have done was film two face-offs, one where they actually switch faces, and then one where you get to see John Travolta as the good guy, right? John Travolta is the good guy, and then he turns into Castor Troy. Right. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, have two different versions of the movie, so we're, we're one where they don't switch faces. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It'd be like side A and side B. Side A, Nicolas Cage is the bad guy. Side B, Nicolas Cage is the good guy. They don't actually oh, switch they, faces. They, they, switch, uh, they switch faces, but they both start differently? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so John Travolta <laughs> starts as the bad guy in the yes. first one, and then they switch. Yes. Okay, I'm on yeah. I'm on board with like that. Like an A-side, B-side. <laughs> film, we're just going to film two entire movies <laughs> just for a bonus it feature. It was the 90s, why not? <laughs> just for a bonus I mean, feature. If you're throwing millions of dollars at Nicolas Cage and John Travolta to lead your movie, why not? Now, I haven't decided which one of you is going to be the good guy yet, so we're going to film both while right. we're here. <laughs> just, just do both the whole way through. It's a, it's a great idea. I don't know why they didn't do it. It's, it's why brilliant. didn't they green like this? brilliant all right well that does it for our review of mission impossible 2 as usual talk to us on facebook send us an email at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com and check out all of our other episodes at twoviewsmovies.com we'll catch you next time